Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Life and Sport Podcast. And this is the first interview episode of 2024. Jeez, can you believe it, guys? We've been doing this for almost five years. 2019 is when we started. And uh, we've come a long way and we've got even further to go because we're not stopping anytime soon. Our first guest for the 2024 calendar, you could say, is futsal or FIFA futsal referee Darius Turner. First of all, mate, thank you for joining me. And how was your Christmas and New Year uh, period? Hey, CJ. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Um, had a really good Christmas, really relaxing, actually. Just stayed at home and went to the beach and spent time with the family. So, yeah, it's been really good relaxing and just um, back into the swing of things this week. So, yeah, thank you. Nah, that's good to hear. And nah, pleasure's all mine, mate. Um, so, obviously, let's get started with um, first sort of question is, what was your childhood like and what's your first futsal or football memory? Yes, I had a really good childhood, luckily. Um, so mum and dad and two brothers. So I grew up in uh, Dundas in Western Sydney. Yep. Um, and we used to play a lot of soccer, a lot of uh, footy, a lot of touch footy and everything like that. Spent a lot of time at the park. Okay, um, did you follow a rugby league team? Yeah, I'm a, actually a massive Parrot Eels fan. So. Oh, okay. I'm a, I'm a Broncos fan because I was born in Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yes, we, we all still love... Uh, Para and it's good to take my kids out there now and um yeah, yeah really big rugby league family actually so um yeah and then futsal um the first memory actually I was having to think about this was probably watching it used to be televised okay so it used to be on I think 8 a.m or 8 30 a.m every Sunday morning on the ABC there was a national league that was televised and wow. that was probably my first memory of futsal before I'm um, actually becoming involved in the sport Okay, and obviously um, the futsal is different to uh, regular standard 11 v 11 outdoor f- uh, football. Uh, what got what piqued your interest more so to futsal than football, you could say? Well, I guess in Australia, football is traditionally uh, the winter sport. Yep. And then a lot of uh, soccer players or football players like to do something in summer. So yep. people tend to go to the smaller side of games or to futsal. Um, and so that's kind of how I got involved. My younger brothers used to play at the YMCA during summer on a Saturday morning. Yep. Um, and then when I got a bit older, 13 or 14, we um, started playing ourselves in the summer league for futsal. Uh, okay. So I was going to say that actually answers my next question, but I will ask it is, did you play before you ref or did you ref before you played? And also, this is kind of maybe a three-parter. At what point did you realize, you know what, I can maybe go somewhere with my refereeing abilities? Yeah, so I guess there's a few different parts to that. So definitely played before I refereed. Um, yep. And I'm a bit different to other referees. I started refereeing futsal before I refereed football. Wow, that um, is very different. Yeah, it's quite different because most, probably the majority of referees referee football and then might switch over to futsal. But um, yep. like I said, we played futsal at the local comp when I was about 14 and um the referee there was from our school mm-hmm. and that's how he made his pocket money. And so, yeah, I never had to work in fast food or, <laughs> or, or anything like that. So um, the money for a 14 year old kid back then was pretty good to referee. So that's how I got into it. And um, I was probably really lucky to have a, a couple of really good mentors who kind of helped me out at the start and gave me access then to, I guess, regional championships and state championships and things yeah. like that um, quite early in my career when I was quite young um, and I guess I made the progression from there. No, that, that's fair enough. Um, and obviously, as you said, you made the transition from like being a player to being a ref. At, at what point did you sort of figure out, you know what, maybe 
um, you know, playing professionally isn't my my virtue, but refing is. And you decided to make the switch to like dedicating your time to refereeing more so than playing. Um, so I actually played football not just at local level all the way okay. through because of the winter sport. Yep. Um, that, that was the beauty of futsal. I could referee in the state league during the summer and national championships, which are every January. Yep. Um, and still play a local Premier League throughout, and I'm still playing in the in the um old guys competition nowadays, which is wow, um, really great for more from like a social side and yeah, um, and, and a fitness of, sort of side as well. But yeah, that's right. Fitness and just well-being and, and yeah, general mental health and everything. It's really good to still be involved with all the boys. But uh, probably when I was about 25, I think I did my first men's final at the national championships. Okay. Um, and that was ahead of some of the other FIFA guys. So I guess mm-hmm. that was the first time I was like, hey, I could actually make a crack at this. Um, but it wasn't until I was 30 until I got a FIFA badge. So there was a bit of a wait. Definitely um, a bit of time, yeah. Yeah, from that moment. Um, so, yes, that was kind of when I first realised I could actually um, do something with futsal refereeing. That's incredible. And obviously to all the listeners who may be thinking, what the fuck's futsal? Um, <laughs> obviously, um, there is one of the main differences that you've just mentioned is that it is played as a predominantly summer league. But what yeah. are, say, the three main differences other than the season um, in times of year sort of thing that make it differ from the traditional 11 v 11? Yeah, so the three obvious ones, are it's five versus five on the pitch, so four players and a goalkeeper. Um, there's flying substitutions in futsal, so it's quite yep. fast. So you can come on and off whenever you like. Yep. Um, and one that people probably don't know if they play social leagues here is that um, at international level um, and at national level, um, futsal is stop clock. So whenever the ball oh, goes wow. out of play, um, the clock stops. Yeah, so I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I play football at, at, like you said, at a local level, and obviously there's a ruling of if the ball hits the ref, you've got to, you know, stop like a stop play sort of thing, and it goes back. I mean, local where I live, it's it goes back to the for a goal kick sort of thing, yeah. Um, like as in from the goalie, um, all that sort of stuff. Obviously, the players, other than the goalies, are not allowed inside the circle where the goalie is, that sort of stuff. But those are three very, very good, um, good rules, like differences sort of thing as well. Yeah, and so some of the rules that you just mentioned, um, and that's with the actual FIFA laws, and and um, there's a lot of that. Let's just say there's a lot of adaptations. Oh, at there local is. Level. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, there um, is. And so yeah, so it can get a little bit technical, but um, and I think different centres run different things where the balls can bounce off the walls and things like that. But for the true futsal, you have you have the touchline. Um, you have a set size pitch and then you have stop clock where whenever the ball stops, which means it's a much more tactical game. So yeah. even if you get down to two seconds on the clock, um, and especially as a referee, a lot can happen in two or three seconds. Yeah, wow. In the with things um, stopping. So, yeah, it's quite interesting um, when it gets to that level. Oh, absolutely. Um, and obviously, because as you said, the rule the rules and adaptations are different at local level compared to like competitive professional level. Um, mm-hmm. are, what length are the halves for like the competitive levels? Yep, so it's twenty minutes each okay. way from yep. international, but they generally they go for about thirty five or forty minutes. Yep, uh, a half with because that, that's clock. including like the stoppages and and all that sort of stuff. That's right. Yeah. Well, wow. um, well, you learn something new every day, as they say. <laughs> um. Obviously, um, I think we kind of just covered what this, like for this next question, but I'll ask it anyway. What is your earliest memory of football or futsal? 
because we covered rugby league, going to play touch footy and stuff. What's your earliest memory yeah, of, of football or anyone who's in Australia, soccer? Yeah, I think I have a really clear memory of walking down to Curtis Oval when I was probably about five or six and actually like mum or dad holding my hand and walking onto the pitch and um, having my first little kick around. So it's funny the memories that stick with you. Yeah, um, That's definitely my first memory of, of playing. Um, and then, yeah, I guess all those Saturday mornings just at the at the local soccer oval and getting up and putting the shinnies on and the soccer boots on at 5am and like yep. getting um, I was always really excited by playing um, and, yeah, really loved it from, from when I was at early age. That's awesome to hear. I think that's like some people, as, as you just said, you know, you remember being five years old, putting your kid on, getting ready to go. And the parents probably remember like, oh, the, the no coffee, having to drive you there. All that sort of stuff. I, I love that sort of stuff and hearing about yeah, it. Actually, yeah, I just did have another memory. I, I did used yeah. to referee, I was about eight or nine. I think I refereed the under, the under sixes. And I remember yeah. um, the guy would give us a can of Coke or two bucks every week. So oh, that's great. Um, I mean, that just came back to me when you said that. So it's just, I guess, all those little things along the way that kind of, um, take you to where you end up, isn't it? Yeah, like, and it's kind of like looking back in hindsight, you're like, oh, hang on, that did happen. And like, maybe if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be where I am now sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's awesome. Um, Radio, so let's get stuck into some of your actual experiences. And you did tell me the other day that there was, um, unfortunately, there's, you know, not much funding for lack of a better term for wages in the, for foot futsal referees which in my opinion is absolutely fucking abhorrent compared to how you know how the sport is it's it's such a good sport um but one thing that that stuck out to me that you mentioned was there was a referee that has uh you could say sought refuge um and has been granted a visa to like in australia to be a fifa referee um how did that come about if you don't mind me asking yeah, so it's probably I'll go probably back a few steps, and it's a, a bit of a about how we kind of got to yeah, of course, meeting um Tamim, who we, that's his name, the referee's name, um, and so once I was on the FIFA panel in um twenty thirteen, the next step is to go into the Asian Elite panel, yep. um, and I was fortunate enough to do that over a couple of years and landed on the Asian panel in twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, really fortunate to travel all over Asia and kind of around the world in different countries doing different tournaments which is fantastic and just been that's amazing um, the best part of it so and I guess that kind of um because of where futsal is in the hierarchy of sports in Australia and yeah that probably um plays a part in us not being fully professional and and having wages that reflect that yeah that, um, that's fair so I guess for me the um the payoff was kind of all those trips around the world and yeah. seeing all these amazing places and, and getting to referee in different countries. Which we'll um, definitely get to that in, yeah. in a little bit, yeah. yep. And so um, so Tamim was also on the Asian Elite panel. Um, okay. So he was a new member um, when I first met him a couple of years ago. But um, you might be familiar with what happened in Afghanistan and the yes. fall of Kabul. Yep. Um, and that's obviously there's still a lot happening in that space in Afghanistan. But um, Tamim reached out to me um, literally as that was happening and, and all those images were coming through of um, the tragedies over at Kabul Airport and things like that. Yeah. Um, and so we just quickly got together and put an application in and um, Craig Foster was involved 
yep. um, in the background and a number of other people who were really helpful, uh, Kate and Ty, um, who helped us to get the application in and just kind of we were really, really lucky that the timing of when we got his application in the government granted a, a refuge visa um, straight away. Wow, um, that's awesome. Which was really awesome in itself. But then the next the next steps were we're like, okay, great, what do we do now? And it's yep. like we actually have to Tamim actually has to get out of um Afghanistan and the, the airport was shut down. The Taliban had taken over the airport. Yep. Um couldn't get out of the country really through the borders. And I won't go into all the details of how no, of he managed not. to get out, but um ultimately he was able to get to a safe space in a different country. Yep. And once he was in that embassy. Um, with a valid visa, the Australian government stepped in and said, no problems, we'll get him on a flight ASAP. Um, and he flew into Darwin and then initially down to Melbourne and now he's been in Australia for two years and um, is doing really, really well. And he just refereed at the National Championships last week and continues to be on the FIFA panel and the Asian panel and has started a new life here. So that's what a probably, story. Yeah, one of the best stories out of uh, my career as a referee, being able to um, form that relationship and help Tamman out in that way. Absolutely. And you know what? Um, anyone that's listening to this episode when it goes out, we're going to make a goal for this like start of the year. We're going to try and get a goal to get him on the podcast to to hear his story as well. That is if he's obviously someone that... Um, would love to, I'm sure. Yeah, sort of thing. Would, would like to share his story because that's... i got goosebumps and I've still got him listening to every single bit of that and... And it's it's incredible the the things sports can bring for people can and can help people with especially in those sort of absolute travesty type situations um yeah wow yeah. and obviously as you mentioned just before we started talking about the um ref, refugee referee you could say um you've managed to travel to quite a few countries to referee and one of those is Turkmenistan which is you'd probably think you'd think football yeah, you you think Argentina, you'd think Australia, England, France, but you wouldn't think Turkmenistan. What was that experience like? Yeah, it was just unreal, actually. So that was the Asian Indoor Games. Um, yep. I think it was 2017, I think, or possibly a bit after. I can't remember the exact year, but um, mm-hmm. Turkmenistan was unreal. So not many people get to go there. I think um, it's quite closed borders, yep. um, but because the Asian indoor games were able to obviously get granted a visa to go there. And we lived in, it was it was kind of like an Olympic setup. So you yep. had the athlete village and the officials village, but um, it was just phenomenal. And it was very different. Everything had been purpose built. So it was just think, think the most kind of grandiose buildings and stadiums and pristine streets um, and everything like that. So this futsal competition, which people, you, you, you think this is for Olympics sort of thing. It was for the Asian Indoor Games, so there's a whole oh, range okay. of sports. Oh, okay. Like fencing, karate. Um, Maybe even handball. Yeah, handball was there. So, yeah, and so we were in the village with all the other referees from the different countries. Um, but it was just seeing the, the cultural side, I guess. So um, when when their president drives around, there's situations where um, kind of all the streets get closed down. Oh, wow. Um, and just, and just um, I think a very large percentage of their population is in the police force. Um, and just the different different style and culture from being in Australia. So being able to witness that firsthand um, was was a really good experience and see how different cultures uh, live as well. Um, but, yeah, just also the buildings, like I, I can't really do it justice in words, but the buildings and seeing all these statues and at the Olympic Village there's a, a horse probably the size of the Opera House, which wow. is their national, um, like their national animal. So, yep. um, yeah, it was just 
it was a really unreal experience. And then the matches there, there was up to 10,000 people wow. in the stadium. So I was you, that, that would have been something you weren't used to sort of thing. Like maybe, I, I don't know, you, you, may, you no, may have been used to like two or 3,000 rather compared to 10,000. No, no, that's a fair comment. Um, sometimes we referee in front of, you know, 10 people. And oh, wow. I, I didn't mean that. People. I apologise. <laughs> no, we do. It's just, it's the nature of it. But um. At the international matches, usually we get yeah maybe like one or two thousand, but yeah. um, at a local level we can have quite small crowds. So walking into the stadium, um, I did the semi final, Japan versus Uzbekistan with a yep. full crowd, twenty thousand, uh, ten thousand people, and you could see wow. literally the the lights flashing from the phones every five seconds. It was just really um, it was just a great experience. Yeah. yeah, wow, that's incredible. And obviously, my next question, I think, is going to be that same answer of being out of all the locations that you've traveled to, other than Australia, of course. What would be your favorite, or you know, your 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 best memory of uh, futsal refereeing internationally? And I'm guessing that's the same answer. Would it be, or would it be a different one? Oh, probably not. Uh, probably my favorite was probably um, Ho Chi Minh City for Vietnam. Okay. Wow. Um, Really great tournament, and we'll stay right in, in the heart of Ho Chi Minh. So, got to actually see a lot of um, the city and, and do a bit of sightseeing. Often in the tournaments, we'll just be in a hotel stadium, hotel stadium. And we, if we're lucky, we might get a rest day and get to go to a shopping center or something like that. Yeah. Um, for Ho Chi Minh, we'll ride in the heart and we'll do our warm ups and exercises on, on the river every morning. So, that was that really cool. That would have been awesome. Yeah, and Iran was also really amazing going and seeing the mountain villages that have been there for like 1400, uh, since 1400 um, AD. And, yep. uh, but yeah, anyway, you know what I mean? No, that's, that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big history buff too. I'd, I'd, lo- I'd go to those countries just to look at that stuff. But yeah, you get to do yeah. it and, and you know, for lack of a better term, get paid to do it. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's the best of both worlds for you, which is absolutely incredible. Um, obviously, with with any type of high intense professional um, jobs such as, you know, refereeing or, you know, even being a CEO of something sort of thing, everyone needs a decompressor away from that job. What is your decompressor that you like to do um, after a game or after a training session, that sort of stuff, or even after an event? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, so yeah, like in general in life, just yeah, I really actually enjoy exercising. So yeah, so like doing the gym or a run or a walk or a swim. But um, we I work in in Manly, very lucky. So being by the ocean or the beaches is, is yeah. my decompressor. Um, and I do have uh, family and two young kids, and that's probably not a decompressor, but just spending time with the kids probably just grounding is, yourself you know, a bit sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've had a tough match, for example, and you know, it's been pretty heated or you might have made a mistake or something like that. Um, always going home to the kids and kind of taking your mind off it is a is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Cause obviously there's some sports people that, you know, may play golf or they may, you know, video game and stuff. So now that that's good to hear that you, you know, your fitness, uh, the beach and, you know, your family sort of thing really help you. Um, and also I, I just caught on to what you said some in the sense of sometimes you make a mistake. So are you admitting referees make mistakes? <laughs> <laughs> I think you've had some other referees on the podcast and I'm sure that they've said the same. So no, nah, um, that's, that's fair. We definitely make mistakes, and I think um, I think from a refereeing point of view, we we do cop a bit, but you kind of you probably beat yourself up more than mm, than, than anyone ever could. Like yep. you know, you go into every match going if if a key incident happens, you want to get it right, 
And on the times where you don't get it right, then there's a lot of self-reflection and it doesn't really matter what anyone can say to you. Like, you know, yeah. you made a mistake. And if you know you've got it right and someone's having a crack at you, then you can just brush it off quite easily. But if you know you could have done a bit better, then that's probably when it hurts a bit more. <laughs> no, that, that's fair enough. Well, I mean, I read an interesting statistic like middle of last year sort of thing. And this is to cover referees of like all sports in general, but like professional level, not like local level. And it's something like referees make like 0.05% mistakes throughout like a season of, of like whatever sport they, their rep, their respective sport is, which is incredible given, you know, human error is a thing. And so when referee like, and that makes sense as to why the, the referees are at that top level that they are. And uh, one of the main reasons I love to have referees of any sport on the podcast is for that exact reason. You know, granted, refs will be the hardest on themselves compared to like what they cop from like social media and stuff. But that's the thing. You guys do such an incredible job and the stats back it up that sure, one ref may make one bad call or, or like not necessarily a bad call, but a, a bad judgment for lack of a better term. But that doesn't mean that they haven't made 95 other excellent, you know, sort of thing. And one referee that I haven't interviewed, but I've watched a podcast of Ray Chamberlain in the AFL said, the AFL referees have absolutely no impact on the outcome of the game. Absolutely not at all. And would you say to a, to an extent that, and this, this is where I'm going with that, you sort of maybe agree, disagree, or somewhat agree with that sort of statement, um, but in respect to your sport? Well, I think the professionalism of refereeing is really advanced in Australia. Yes. So for Football Australia, we have professional full-time referees. Um, you have VAR. Um, in other sports like rugby league, you have full-time referees. And I think um, being able to support with assistant referees. So I think in, in football and rugby league, there's assistant referees as well. And I think all of these factors are making um, the accuracy of our calls much better. Mm -hmm. um, in futsal, we also do that at the top level in futsal. So at Asian Championships or um, or the World Cup, you have video support. We now have an additional assistant referee. And in some countries, you have professional referees. So all of those yep. factors will help the accuracy of the calls. Specifically in Australia, um, we are definitely not professional at this. Uh, uh, hopefully our performances are professional, but in terms yep. of um, making a living and, and being a professional in, in full time, that's we're not there yet. Um, and the only comment I'd make around that is that with the Women's World Cup um, last year, how successful that was. So I'm just hoping that some of um, that optimism flows through to futsal. And of course. Can, the, the football community can see, hey, there's actually an opportunity there. Um, futsal is a really great product and a great sport. Um, and you never know, like women's football 10 years ago is not where it is now. Yeah. So with futsal, is that something that we can do? And then that would flow through to the referees as well. Um, so that's a bit of a long-winded um, answer. But I think that comment you made about in AFL, the refereeing decisions not impacting the, the outcome, I think that's really interesting because mm. for sports um it can have different impacts so for futsal uh, a referee's decision 100 can yep. definitely impact a game and maybe even two or three decisions okay and so that's what we're always working towards because they're those key moments if you get a send-off wrong or a penalty wrong or a, you know something like that wrong then that can really have a big impact on the match yep. um, and that's what we're always striving to do and, and we'll never get them 100 no, percent right no. that's what you're working towards
Yeah, no, nah, that's that's fair enough. And working towards perfection will, will drive you crazy sometimes. But <laughs> but as I said, like that zero point zero five percent is like that's, that's in, incredible. Like it, it's it's testament to all all sports and all sports referees. Um, and obviously you just spoke about fitness and that you you know your decompressor is that. My next question is, what is a week in the life of a FIFA futsal officials fitness regime look like? Yeah, so for the Australian guys or the guys on the AFC Elite panel, I think we're kind of always working towards probably a tournament. So every or the tournament or the annual seminar. So every single yep. year we fly to um, KL in Malaysia for a fitness test. Um, and the humidity, it's pretty warm oh. here in Sydney today and humid yeah. today. Um, but picture this humidity for today and then probably like three times it. Oh. Um, and that's, that's like cans. <laughs> yeah. And even even more so, and that's the oh, kind of wow. thing we're doing the fitness tests in. So we'd usually do that probably like get up 5.30 or 6 and be kind of running the fitness test, and it's kind of like a beat test. Um, in the old days, we used to have to do a one-kilometre sprint, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which was wow. quite intense as well. But um, so, that's, so basically for your fitness, you're always working towards that tournament or working towards that fitness test um, set back home, and really it's on you to do it, and I've always kind of – that was probably one of my strengths as a referee was my fitness um, yep. and hopefully that set me apart a little bit. So I'd always try and be at the top for those um, results when we got overseas and at the tournaments. Um, and, yeah, but it's really a lot about self-discipline and, and making sure you're the one who does the work to get there. So it'd be like during the week it would be um, probably a lot of like running, um, you know, like um, high-intensity uh, interval stuff and also i like to get to the gym as well but um yeah. it depends on individual i'd say yeah no that, that's fair enough that's a really good insight um obviously my next question we've covered is do you follow any other sports as you said you're a paramatic tragic or a paratragic as you could say um so yeah. i won't ask about that uh but we've got the toey thongs fast five um anyone that's listening obviously toey thongs they're a newish type of company um and what they do is they offer, believe it or not, subscription thongs, kind of like Netflix. But what you do is you buy one pair. You can either buy them as a one-off or you can pay per month and you get a pair of thongs for every month for six months. And not going to lie, they're so bloody comfy. Um, but anyway, enough of that. Toey Thongs Fast Five, which is five quick fire questions um, to get you to get to know you a bit more than just your experiences. First one, Apple or Android? Uh, Apple. Absolutely. I'm using an Apple phone, but I'm using a Windows computer and that's how it should be, in my opinion. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, How do you like your steak? Uh, Medium well, which I get, well, I didn't say well, but I get a lot of grief from that, from my mates and my wife. But You see, well done, but medium, I I can let that go with medium well. That's fair enough. Uh, What's your favorite movie of all time? Uh, Probably Endless Summer 2, I'd say, followed by Dark Knight or Pulp Fiction. Dark Knight and Pulp Fiction, great choices, but no one on this podcast yet has said Endless Summer. So that's a really good answer as well. The most common one is obviously Shawshank Redemption. And then the second most common is Remember the Titans. Um, What's your drink of choice if you drink? Uh, probably at the moment, I'd say, you know, I'm pretty well known for the V's, the sugar-free V's, um, the other refs or the Red Bulls will know me for that. You see, for me, um, when it comes to drink of choice, it's definitely, I go with the sugar-free as well, because for some reason, I don't know why it tastes better. So I go with the sugar-free, uh, monster, the white cans, they taste really nice. (laughs) And my, and my last question for fast five is Crocs or thongs? Ah, uh, thongs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one one person the other day said to me, um, thongs are an ick. 
to them and I'm just like, what would you rather? They said Crocs or or um Birkenstocks, and I'm just like, nah. Anyway, we've got five, two final questions that are not part of the fast five to wrap this episode up. And um actually, sorry, three, my bad. Um, first of those three is what are three life lessons you have learned that you wish you knew when you were younger? Um, probably it's a bit of a cliche, but I think a lot of the sports people will say this when they retire, it's more about the relationships and the people you meet than probably yeah. your achievements and the matches. So um, probably um, when, when you first start doing international and that kind of thing, you're very focused on your performance and kind of achieving things and where you're going to get to. Um, but when you get to the end of the career, it's the people and those experiences that um, you remember and you hold truly dear. So that's probably um, one of them. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I'll be a bit stretched to... Um, <laughs> to to come up with two more, but maybe well, just... that's well. Let's go with that one then. You know, <laughs> that's that's I think like that's a very a very good answer. You know, that's um not very good. So very a very succinct answer. It's it exactly like when when you look back after your career's ended, you're gonna be like, obviously there'll be those highlights, but you'll also be like, wow, the people I I met, the 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 things I saw, all those sort of things. Yeah, that's what I hold truly dear. And and guess with um Tamim and the that experience as well. I guess the other lesson would be like, no matter where you think you want life to go or something to go, then things come up and take you in a different way. And <laughs> absolutely, gotta follow that that path as well. Exactly. It's like um now I'm not religious by any stretch, but uh, it's kind of like um it, as uh was uh, Nick Cummings said one day, it's if if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Basically. <laughs> and. Two final questions. Um, looking back, of this we just actually so, sort of the same question, really. But looking back on your futsal journey so far, what would you say have been the top three moments? I mean, obviously one of those would be the helping to mim, of course. Yeah, from a personal level, that was um, definitely um, probably at the top of the list. Um, but from a refereeing point of view, I think um, getting that phone call about being on the international panel, which is something every single referee dreams of. Yep. Um, so that was definitely the highlight of, of my career. And then um, being on the Asian indoor panel and probably refereeing at the Asian championships um, were the top three refereeing highlights for me. Absolutely. That's, that's bloody awesome, honestly. And obviously with 2024 just starting up, still in its infancy, my final question is what's next for Darius Turner? Yep, so I run my own business, so I've got a consulting business, so that's one of the reasons I've stepped away from the refereeing as well. Um, so focusing on that and um, my wife and I also have set up a beach lifestyle business with sand-free nice. towels because well, we don't have enough on our plate and then spending sand time. Sand-free as in like, as in when you put it on the sand and you take it off and shake it, it just doesn't stick. Exactly. <laughs> Mate, where were you three days ago, like when I was at the beach? Because I was covered in that shit. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sorry, continue. I'll send you the link. Um, oh, yeah, please just do. Spending time, I guess, with the futsal being tournament-based, um, a lot of um, leave, like, for weeks at a time during the year is spent at refereeing tournaments. So yep. I'm really hoping to spend those time, those weeks now with the family, hopefully travelling um, as a family and just relaxing a bit more. That's incredible to hear. Um, yeah, thank you very much for your time. I very much appreciate it. Is there anything that you'd like to... Um, shout out or promote or you know even um, talk about while we've got the last you know five minutes left of the recording 
I'd just like to say, yeah, thank you. When I saw your list of um, all the people you've had on the podcast, I'm very honoured and flattered that um, you'd have it up to me. And I just think it's a really great opportunity to talk about futsal and refereeing, which are two little niche subjects um, that not many people get to talk about. But, yeah, i just probably like to reinforce that point about um, hopefully Football Australia can keep supporting futsal and um, there's lots of tournaments. There's women's tournaments. There's under-20s tournaments at AFC that we don't currently have teams entered in. Yeah. Um, and it's just really fantastic to to have more funding for the national teams and those teams at other levels just to really grow our presence in Asia and internationally for futsal. And there's a lot of really passionate people um, in futsal um, and, and they'd be willing to give it a go if they have that opportunity. So that's the only comment that I'd make. And I'm really grateful um, for all the opportunities I've been given over the years from Football New South Wales and Football Australia. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I've actually got a final topic because it's rolling off the back of that. When you were earlier in the uh, recording, when you were saying about the Matilda's success uh, mid-year last year, well, I play um, summer, autumn and like sort of spring league, um, f- like local futsal. And there was a massive influx of people coming to play um, in the winter comp. Let alone, yeah. and there's a lot of winter. The winter is is a football eleven aside uh, thing, but when the women's World Cup hit, there was so many more like you know five asides and seven asides coming coming into the um you know comp and whatnot that I play at. It was it was incredible. So hopefully that sort of that stays, you know, like and or improves sort of thing as well. Yeah, it's a really big opportunity, and we can't let it slip through our fingers because we're always going to be competing with other sports, and it's kind of you know, that one, once in a lifetime chance to capitalise on it. So hopefully um, people get behind it, um, boys, girls, everyone, and um, can enjoy futsal as well as football. Oh, absolutely. And again, sorry, for another topic to tangent in off that one is um, <laughs> probably the only other next big opportunity other than last year's Women's World Cup won't be until the Olympics in 2032 i think it is in brisbane i mean in australia wise in particular um that may not be it may not be that um until then sort of thing do you think uh so we do so i think there's already been sellouts for the matildas game like some okay. of the domestic games and there are i think now there'll be um more awareness of some of the Asian competitions that we're True, in like the well. afc cup as well i mean i know that's not um futsal but afc cup going on at the moment etc yeah, that's right. So there's actually quite a big calendar and I think it's that awareness now and, and people just want to get out and, and support yeah. and even in the W League and, yeah, hopefully it goes through to all the leagues, A Leagues and everything. So, um, yeah, we just got to harness it and just make sure people stay behind it. But, yeah, um, the more opportunities to see um, futsal and football live, the better for us. Absolutely. Well, that about wraps up uh, the episode. Thank you very much for joining me, Darius. Take care and have a good rest of your day. Legend. Thanks, Ed.